On this week's episode, LFA strawweight Valerie Mahaya Soto joins the show. Valerie and I talk about her LFA 99 fight versus Hani. The switch back to 115 and how her let's throw and bang mentality helps her make an exciting rising strawweight to watch. So let's get into it. How's life treating you so far, Valerie, since uh, your hard-fought fight on LFA 99? Yeah, man, it's good. You know, my shins are still a little bruised up. Look, I'm going to go ahead and show you. Let me see I don't it. know if you can, you can barely see it. We call those battle wounds. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Everything else is good, you know. I, I started training that Sunday, actually, after the fight. Um, sparring day, so it was fun. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Watching that fight, man, you brought the heat, you know, from the moment yeah. the bell rang to the end of the bell. And, uh, you know, I know the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but honestly, the first and the third, I give it to you, Valerie. Man, you know... So two of my other losses are by decision and they're very like, you can argue the loss. Like the first one, I could see how I lost. Second one, I don't, but I just got to stop leaving it to the judges. They just keep, they keep screwing me. <laughs> yeah. Laura Senko mentioned, you know, in the broadcast, yeah. in the broadcast team that, you know, Razor close losses. She was actually psyched for this fight. You know, which I know she mentioned during the broadcast that, hey, these girls can bang. And I'm thinking like, shit, let's see. And y'all brought the yeah. fight, man. Y'all brought it. Uh, going into that fight, if you want to dive into it, speak a little bit more details in reference to getting prepped, because I know it's two years prior yeah. to your last appearance in LFA. And that was against, I believe, um, uh, Demopolis, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And that was a badass scrap as well. <clears throat> yeah. I definitely feel like I won that one. I mean, I dropped her twice. Um, she'll call them slips, but I don't call them yeah. slips. But, you know. But leading up to the fight, you know, I felt good. Uh, I had a lot of people cancel and pull out. You know, I had so many things scheduled and just stuff kept happening, little injuries, you know, and COVID and a bunch of just stuff just started happening. But, you know, I mean, preparation was good. I felt really good going into that fight. Uh, we went up a weight class to fight her. So I didn't have to really stress about weight. Um, she was big. <laughs> yeah. But you didn't really have to worry about the weight cut or anything like that. We were just working on, you know, everything to get better. We, would, we didn't really game plan for her. We just kind of did what we needed to do. Like for me, uh, one thing that me and my boyfriend actually don't like is we don't like to game plan. We just like to go in there. We see what they're good at. And we're like, okay, you know, and we work on little things like that. But for the most part, we just go with the flow and just get better all around. Well, you mentioned her being a little thick. She came in overweight yeah. for four and a half pounds, right? Yeah, she was, she came in at 129.4. Um, so when we got the offer, uh, you know, obviously I was a little worried about my weight, you know, just because I haven't, I hadn't fight in two years, but I also just really wanted to fight. And they were like, okay, well, she, will, will you take this at 25? So I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go. Like, let's do it. Like, I just want to fight again. And she came in over and I was like, man, we, we went up Bummer. a whole weight class. You went up a whole weight class. Like, and you're still missing weight. We're, we're, I was pretty upset about it, but. You know, what can you do? Before we get back into your report card, Valerie, what is it with everyone missing weight nowadays? It, I seem like I it's a pandemic, know. right? Yeah, I, it has to be. I think a lot of people just got a little too comfortable. I've missed weight once, um, actually, for LFA with Vanessa. Uh, it's just embarrassing, like more than anything. It's so embarrassing. And I was like, I don't want to take that chance. So I was like, so set on just 
fighting the girl at 25, but you're a Texas yeah. girl, so hot Cheetos and big red, right? Yes, and tacos. I mean, oh man, <laughs> you, can't, you can't put those in front of me. Yeah, but I so, think a lot of people are just comfortable, so right. they just got you know started turning into couch potatoes and just wanted to eat everything. Yeah, I know the last card we saw, um, we had I think we had like three uh, weight misses on the last UFC card. Yeah, there's a, a lot That's of crazy. people. Crazy. But again, um, the fact that she did come in a little overweight and I, and I saw like during the fight that right overhand she was throwing and there was yeah. some power. And I, and I and I was watching the fight. I'm thinking like, yeah, there's a difference maker. Like that's four, almost five pounds of extra weight coming at Valerie. Yeah, she she was definitely big. Um, When she walked in the cage, I was like, this is not the same girl that weighed in. Like, who, who is this? <laughs> Like, is this her twin sister? Like, she was huge. But then uh, she hit me and I was like, you know what? This isn't too bad. I mean, not taking credit from her, but I've been hit by people harder than that. And she didn't push me back at all during that fight. Um, You know, I wasn't rocked or anything. But I mean, she had like some heavy legs. And I'm sure if the adrenaline wasn't going, I'd probably feel it. But obviously, when you're fighting, it's just you don't think about it. At least I don't. I don't think about the power, you know, yeah. getting hit in the face too much. Because uh, I know you fight at 115 and I reference you yeah. as a straw weight, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I know in this fight, you went up to 125. Why mm-hmm. was that? Just to get the fight. Just to, just, get the fight? Just to fight. Yeah. And and I also just for my own peace of mind, I wanted to make sure that I could still cut weight. And then uh, once the weight could actually happen and it, we came in a cut day, because I like to diet down as low as I can and then just water cut. But like literally that morning I ran and I did a hot cycling session. That was it. And I had, you know, some stuff to eat at night and it was like too easy. Like people were like suffering to make, you know, a certain weight class. And I'm like, there's no way that like, this is, this was just too easy. Like I need to stick to 115. Like that's, that's my home. Like, you know, it's not a hard cut. I mean, it's just, a mental thing. Like nobody wants to do it. It sucks. You know, 15 is where I belong for sure. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you're about four years into the fight game. You're very young with 20, what, 22, yes. 23 years old. Just turned 23, February 6th. <laughs> uh, happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Again, the fact that you're four years in, you know, um, very young when it comes into the MMA world. Let me ask you this. What got you to the sport, Valerie? Well, my dad actually is the one that got me into the sport. And I'll tell everybody all the time. Uh, he wanted a boy and, you know, firstborn boy, but he got me. <laughs> so he treated me like I was a boy, like very hard on me and stuff yeah. like that. And he was really into boxing back in the day. Um, so we started going to a boxing gym uh, together and I only did it to make him proud. Like I had no interest in it. Like I didn't want to do it. I only did it to make him proud. I would go to the gym, get beat up didn't like it. Cause all I, all I trained with was grown men. Like I, I was like a, maybe 13 at the time. Like I didn't like it, but then one day, like I started getting better and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I like this. Maybe it's rubbing off on me. And then it started progressing from there. I got to high school. Uh, I was a sophomore and my history teacher was actually the wrestling coach. And he was asking everybody at the beginning of the year, um, I'm the wrestling coach. Like, are any of you interested? And I didn't raise my hand, but I saw another girl raise her hand. And I was like, this girl's going to raise her hand. I'm going to raise my hand. So it actually started from there, like where I just turned it up and just kind of put it all together. 
I was wrestling. And then uh, my junior year, I started going to an MMA gym and, you know, just kind of like getting the feel of like everything. So like Muay Thai and wrestling, jiu-jitsu, like all of it. And that's really how it started, you know, because my dad wanted a boy. <laughs> nice. So um, your relationship with your father, I'm assuming it's pretty, pretty tight. We're, we're close. We butt heads a lot, you know, but I love him and I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for him, you know, but he, he was a big part in uh, my career at the beginning, you know, and as I got older, you know, got a boyfriend back there, that fart, you know, when you get older, you kind of like, what is it? You fly off into the world, you spring off, you spring off, whatever it's called, you know, so, you know, we're not as close as we used to be, but we're still, I still talk to him like on a regular for sure. Hey, uh, props to your, your boyfriend. Uh, he gave what Fernie Garcia his first loss. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a very <laughs> exciting fight, man. Yeah. That, that was a good fight. He and, actually uh, fights tomorrow. So nice. Good, good luck. Good luck, Cody. Uh, but real quick, though, <laughs> real quick, uh, going back to um, the origin of your MMA career, the nickname Malhia, where did it come from? My dad. Well, they called him Malijon. It means bad son. So it's like, you know, he said, well, you should be that because, you know, you're my badass daughter. Not necessarily a bad daughter, but you're a badass daughter. So. I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like, you know, I didn't want to be called like Bumblebee or, yeah. you know, Butterfly or, you know, something like, so it's, I wanted something different, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not a true Mexican, but I don't speak Spanish or anything. So I kind of wanted it to be like Mexican, Hispanic, nice. <laughs> you know, like I, I wanted to stick with it. I don't know if that makes any sense. I didn't want, you know, something lame. <laughs> well, I remember seeing uh, something on your IG. It was um, some shoes, some vans. Yeah. Some vans that your dad drew. And I'm like, man, that's yeah. like Chicano art. You're coming from the We're from San Antonio, actually. So it just so happened that okay, we're not too far. Lots of family. So, yeah, family out there. So for the most part, you know, this is pretty much, you know, we get a lot of, you know, Hispanics around this area. But when I saw the artwork, I'm yeah. like, man, that's straight up, uh, you know, that, that's uh, Chicano stuff, man. That's pretty good at, with art. He's, uh, he's, he was raised in Mexico and sometimes Houston, like they always went over there for family, but he, you know, he was born here, but he was raised over there. And I mean, man, he could draw, like, I wish he would have like did something with it. Cause he is really good. Those shoes, they're fire. They're, they're badass. Nice. Yeah. Well, hey, tell uh, Mr. Soto, man, he's, uh, he's talented when it comes to the art world. That's for sure. Yeah. So Cody can't leave me now because I mean, he's on my shoes. Those are, so the shoes are supposed to, like the girl's supposed to be me and the other shoe is supposed to be Cody and our dog. So I'm oh, like, nice. Cody, can't go nowhere now. I got you on some shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I noticed, you know, you have the gauges, you know, yeah. um, where are you at right now? I used to be at an inch and a half. So they were huge in high school. Like I've had them forever. I actually started them in middle school. Um, but right, like I just took them out because of wrestling and, you know, training and stuff. And, you know, you just kind of just when you're training, I, I feel like I'm one of the few girls that just, I don't care how I look. I just I'll wear sweatpants all day, every day. Like I'm wearing sweatpants right now. Like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I don't get very dressed up or nothing, but they got down to five eights. So that's where we're at right now. What music do you rock to? Everything. Come on, Valerie. Favorite band. Let's hear it. Favorite band would probably be August Burns Red. 
um, or Vela Maya for sure. Uh, but like I said, like I, I listen to everything. Like you could put some Boogie Wonderland, you could put some Three Six Mafia. Like I jammed everything. <laughs> there you go. Country and well, being at Dallas, you know, I know I got a lot of uh, country, uh, you know, up there. And the fact that um, that I remember being up there one time and we visited and we went to a Mexican restaurant and uh, I remember I ordered enchiladas. I'm thinking, what the hell? This is not what we're used to because down here yeah. it's like cheese i think it was like green enchilada it was a weird a weird weird yeah. place but i'm thinking well it's like it's food's a little bit different even though we're only what, five hours apart yeah it's it's very different yeah it's, you probably went to like the wider area <laughs> yeah i think it was probably next to speaking of that probably next to the cowboy stadium out towards i think it was that okay Arlington? yeah i know yeah. you gotta go to like the grove so i, I was raised in pleasant grove and Pleasant Grove and Oak Cliff, they're always like arguing on who's the baddest, you know, whatever. But I'm like, let's just talk about the food. <laughs> Can we just appreciate how good our food is? So good. You got to stop down. And uh, there's a place in Pleasant Grove called Mr. Taco. It's so good. You won't regret it. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. You know what I mean? Given the fact that you are a, of Hispanic descent and we like to eat, yes. Valerie, we like to eat. Uh, it's so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> the and struggle. It, those hot Cheetos. It's like kryptonite, man, with y'all girls for some reason. Some (laughs) backies. There you go. So um, jumping off uh, this uh, this wagon of food, let's get into a little bit more MMA talk. And what I want to ask you real quick, Valerie, before I get you out of here, is in your eyes, like how has women's MMA transcended from the mid-2000s to to now? Because, again, back then we had very little fighters till now. Oh, I feel like there was always a, a kind of a good amount of girls that were in it, like not a, a bunch as now, but no one ever was committed to it. But man, it's evolving like crazy. Like, I don't even know how to explain this, but like there's there's always like it's easier to find girls now than it was back then. And uh, back then, you know, Ronda Rousey, I love her. I do. I, a lot of people were haters, but I, I did love her because she started the sport. You know, um, she got every all the girls wanting to do it, I feel like. And she really, like, set the train going. But, you know, it's definitely evolved. Like, girls fighting isn't, like, that easy anymore. Like, you could really see where she, she was not the greatest, but you know, it's definitely progressing. I think you have to watch out for the younger ones because we're some monsters. So are you a big UFC girl or fan in general? Yeah. I mean, I do. I watch more so people my size or like a bunch of male 35 or just because that's, you know, his weight class. So I don't, I don't really follow di- the different weight classes like that, but I do follow like my weight class. If you had to pick one, just someone you follow. I would have to say Angela Hill. She, uh, so she was, she was on Ultimate Fighter, if I'm not mistaken. She was, and I used to not like her. I was like, I don't really, you know, she, you know, she, I didn't really think that she was the greatest, you know, and she was, you know, if you don't know her, she's, she seems like kind of, was it annoying, but the more I followed her and the more I like watch her, I'm like, man, this girl's like good. Like I really like her and I enjoy her style of fighting. And she, she has a lot of heart. She's not like up there, like, you know, the champ and all that, but she's like, she doesn't care. Like she'll take a week's notice. She'll take two days notice. Like not many girls will do that. And so 
people need to give her some credit because that's some savage shit right there. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of Ultimate Fighter, you have the great uh, Johnny Bedford. I know he was a tough alumni went back in yes. season 14. So how's uh, having Coach Bedford around? How's how that helped your game? Sounds like a pirate's coaching me every day. He has a he has a rough voice and we're always making fun of him because he sounds like a pirate. But I mean, it's it's cool to have, you know, him in there and and coaching me and whatnot. Um, he's very he doesn't know how to coach a girl because I feel like I think I'm his like first legit girl fighter. Like he had one back in the day, but it didn't last very long. But I'm like his first legit fighter. So sometimes we butt heads like he doesn't really know how to coach me very well. Because, you know, us girls are very emotional, okay? Like, we, especially when you only train with a bunch of male 35ers, like, we get emotional. But, you know, slowly we're, we're building our, you know, a relationship and getting better with that, you know. But my uh, boxing coach, and it's actually his boxing coach, Rafael Casillas, he's better at coaching me than Johnny is because Johnny doesn't really know how to talk to me. So it works out. And then Cody's also like my coach too. <laughs> going back to your, to your last fight against um, Flor Hani, going back to the weight cut. Cause I, I figured that is a big issue. You know, these missed yeah. weight cuts and they mentioned that her last opponent dropped out from the yeah. same, same problem. So again, it's crazy Valerie, because like you said, you took this fight because you just wanted to fight. You know, and it's not your initial weight class. So it's like, you know, you're, you're jumping up a weight class just to get a fight. And the spider, your opponent, you know, again, is um, comes in a little thicker than we expected. But it's it just to me as a fan, it's kind of a bummer to see, you know, because it's kind of you're in certain territories that you wouldn't really want to put yourself into. But again, yeah. it's like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. My coach actually didn't want me to take the fight. Like he was like, no. Cause you know, anything could happen to fight and we didn't, he didn't want me to risk it, you know? And I just told him like, I drove all the way out here. I cut the weight. I've been training my ass off. Like, I don't care. Like I want to do it. Um, my boxing coach was actually like all for it. Like, he's like, I'm down for whatever you want to do. Uh, boyfriend was also like down for whatever you want to do. So we just ended up taking it. We worked out a deal, you know, obviously she gave me some of her purse and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sucks, but like I said, like that just shows that I'm a professional. I like, I'll, I'll make the weight and I'm an exciting fighter. And after that fight, I actually got a lot of love from the promotion. And I appreciate it a lot. Like a lot of people noticed me and before when I fought for them, I feel like they didn't really care. Yeah. Um, they didn't really pay me no attention. You know, I'm, and I feel like I'm an exciting fighter. Any fight that I have, I'm exciting. Like there's no fight where I'm just there. Like just being sluggish, like I'm always there to bang. And I feel like since I still took that fight, they saw that and, you know, really appreciated it because I saved them by like still taking the fight and putting on a good show because it, it was a good matchup. Um, so now I'm just getting all this love, like Laura Senko, like that was a nice scrap. Like it was really cool to get that recognition. So yeah. Sometimes well, you got to risk it, get the biscuit. The brisket. Was it risky for the brisket? <laughs> <laughs> Whichever, the brisket yeah. biscuit. <laughs> tomato, tomato. So um, yep. what does the future hold for Valerie Soto? Man, I want to fight three more times this year. Like, hopefully no injuries or anything like that, but I want to fight three more times. I want to stay active. 
Um, a lot of people have asked me, oh, you know, are you going to like, when can we see you in the UFC? And I'm like, you know what? You will see me when, when I get there. Like, I'm not going to sit here. Like, I don't want to rush anything. I, like I'm young, like my time will come, especially like as a female, it's a lot easier for females to make it rather than guys, you know, cause there's not many of us in, you know, in the sport. Um, but my time will come. Like, I'll tell Cody, my time will come. My time will shine. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll get there eventually. So, yeah. well, I know the Whether contender series. Whether it's one to five. There you go. Yeah. Well, I know the contender series is just around the corner, and um, you know it's a hotbed for uh, rising talent. Yeah, I feel like uh, a lot of people overlook me because of my record, so I probably wouldn't get you know that call to the contender series or you know to the UFC right now. But you know what? I'm totally fine with that. That just means that when I get there, that's that's another thing that people don't understand that all my losses are just some tough people. Oh, yeah. Like I don't sit here and fight these weenie girls. Like I fight highest of high. Like I try to do what I, you know, do what I can. So I feel like a lot of people overlook my record. They overlook me and just underestimate me, but it's like, once you get in there with me, it's different. Yeah. Well, that one fight you against know? Demopolis, you know, that was yeah. a close fight. You, you could have went either way. You could have got the W easily. And she was wearing the strap for a bit. And then she had her appearance on contender series. It didn't work out. But then again, I think she recently defended it not too long ago. But Valerie, you're right there. I'm so close. So close, you know, but yeah, like with the Vanessa fight, man, like first round, I she it was hers that, that once you close my eye, right? And then from there, I feel like I won. Like I dropped, like I dropped her. She not once rocked me, but I feel like since they saw that she closed my eye, they were like, okay, we're going to give it to her. But, you know, that's, that's the thing though. You can't sit here and, you know, rush to the UFC. If you, you know, I feel like they kind of rushed her a little bit um, and they matched up with the girl and that girl beat her up on the contender series, you know, and it's not, it's not, I just I felt bad like even though she's like an ex-opponent like you know you have that respect for them and whatnot but I feel like she was rushed I feel like a lot of us need to get our feet a little wet before we get up there and she she got beat up that bad. fight yeah fighting for LFA um on 99 were there fans around yeah, yeah, yeah. There was fans. My parents went and, and, you know, it wasn't a big crowd or anything like that. It was really cold. That's all I, I remember. I really heard cold. cheering for you. I'm like, wait a minute, there's fans. And then I'm yeah, thinking, were- wow, that's usually I'm talking to these fighters. And it's like, hey, how is it fighting without fans? And let me ask you this, Vanessa, how is it fighting with fans? It was it was really good. I mean, I don't really care if uh, people were there or not, because, you know, everything... Like once you get in the cage, it's like everything goes like blank. All you're worried about is the person in front of you because they're obviously trying to rip your head off. Like that's what that's what we come to do is rip each other's heads off. Um, but for the most part, I don't really listen to the crowd. Doesn't you know whether if I had one or not, it wouldn't affected me. But it was cool to have one, for sure. Going back to training, I noticed that you uh, take a couple of trips to Houston. Uh, I believe. Uh, yeah. Main Street Boxing with the great uh, Crew Bob. Crew Bob, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, I saw that. I'm like, oh, wow. So you cross-train sometimes? You travel? Yeah, yeah. I like to, uh, like I said, I only train with guys. So I don't really get a lot of 
female looks and stuff like that. Um, and I like to just go places. And that's one place that I really like because Cody actually has uh, some family members in Houston and they own their own gym called Elite MMA. And so we'll go down there, but we'll also go to Crew Bob. But Crew Bob used to actually coach Johnny back in the day. So uh, Crew Bob is really cool. And he's like, yeah, whenever you want, you've come out, you know, if you would like to cross train for your camps. Like I'm, we're more than welcome to, but he's a really great coach and I, I enjoy him and going down there and being around all them, those good strikers. Cause there's a lot of good boxers oh, yeah. over there. Yeah. We have a kid out. There's a kid out there. I believe um, Jonathan Davis. I think he's out of main street okay. and, and yeah, yeah. yeah, man, he's a young kid as well. But again, um, that's one of the legends. And it's funny because the MMA world is such a small world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everyone knows everyone. Yeah, in it's a so sense. big, but so small. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Everyone always knows somebody. Yeah. And speaking That's of Johnny, cool. your coach, man, um, he's killing it in bare knuckle boxing. He's doing good. He's he's found his home for sure. Yeah. <laughs> making, making money, making money. So uh, before I let you go, Valerie, let me ask you this. That massive tattoo piece on that leg. How many hours? How many hours? It was girl? actually only five. That's it. Five or six. Yeah. But it was broken into three, sessions. three sessions. Yeah. It, didn't, it wasn't. So, so he's really fast. He just goes, you know, he's like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, no breaks. No, that's no. straight through. I didn't, I, you know, I just, I'll just sit there. I'll just sit there. There you I go. I mean, it sucks, but you know, my dad always told me if you really, cause my dad's covered like tattoos everywhere. Oh, head to toe. But he always told me, well, like from here. Oh, the neck down. Down. Yeah. But he had always told me if you really want something, you'll just go through it. Like exactly. You just go through the pain. So. I'm like, well, I really want it, so I guess I'll do it. Well, it's a massive piece. It, cool. it sticks out. Yeah. It sticks out. It's massive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah it's the guy piece. that did it, his name is the the guy that did it. He's a his name is Mark Galvan. He works at uh Elm Street Tattoo in Deep Ellum. You know, Oliver Peck owns Oliver the, Peck, that yeah, shop. That's his shop out there. Yeah, I remember him with. Yeah. Um, so. Man, there was with the works, tattoo show, right on Spike. Was it an Ink yeah. Master? Yeah, he's he's worked under him for a few years now. He they've all known me since I was like a little girl because my dad actually that's where he gets all his tattoos. So they've known me for a little bit. Yeah. Oliver Peck is so, he still out there? Yeah, he's still out there. He's yeah, out there. Yeah, I don't. We don't. I don't really see him much or anything like that. Usually when I go, I don't. I don't yeah. see him. I see like other just little people. Yeah, growing up, I remember. Um, especially here in San Antonio on the South side, um, hanging out tattoo shops. And I got a couple, yeah. but at the same time, um, I remember, um, going to college and actually, t- um, my buddy was a tattoo artist, but at the same time, he was barely starting. So I remember him tattooing these college students and that would help pay for my tuition, uh, to buy yeah. my books and stuff. We had a hustle, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, yeah cool. exactly. But tattoos, I love tattoos. I got a couple of them. Um, when you find a, a legit artist, it's nothing better. So there's another guy. He's a part owner with Oliver. His name is Dean Williams. He started this one, but he's just been so busy with with life. So he hasn't really been able to like get back to it. But the only person I really trust to go to like other than him is Mark. Mark. Mark's really freaking talented, like so good. It's ridiculous, (laughs) especially his lettering. His lettering is like on point. He actually just yeah, like he did Cody's forearm. It says the fly life and it's dope. Like it's so good. Yeah, like I said, nothing better than a badass tattoo. Yeah, I gotta go get some more, but you know, since Texas 
had freaking freak accident and like shut when, down for a while. was freezing him. We've, he's been busy, so but you know, I'll get another one soon. There you go. Well, like I said, you know, seeing that tattoo from afar, watching on the TV screen, it sticks. You know, so uh, yeah, it's cool. props to your artists for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, Valerie, um, I appreciate you coming on. Um, where can we give you a follow at? Uh, my Instagram is underscore dot. Wait, no, underscore Maliha. No. <laughs> it's underscore mal underscore and then facebook is just valerie malija soto and then twitter is the same as the instagram so well thanks for coming on <laughs> valerie thanks for coming on thanks for having me man i appreciate it excellent okay guys well we're punch this podcast we'll see y'all next week